Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. It's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. Sitting in the living room last night and Kat is in the bathroom and I hear this painful yelp coming from behind the door. And of course, you know, I immediately jump to action and I race in there thinking that perhaps my loved one has slipped in the shower. How is it when you say, I know how we're going to start the show today, I always know that it's something (laughs) embarrassing that's happened with me. So I go over and bang on the door, sweetie, sweetie, are are you all right? And you said, yes. And so I opened the door and you were standing there in front of the mirror and you were like holding your back. I harmed myself. I was trying to look at my butt in the mirror <laughs> and I fell down. Yeah. Because the mirror is up high. And I, so I had, because I'm, I'm not tall. Right. And so I had to kind of like twist and, and lift. Yeah. And I, and I spun and I twisted and I fell. You did the twist and lift and then you lost your sense of balance. And uh, this was all because you were trying trying to look at my butt in the mirror. Trying to look at at your butt. The thing is, I have a freckle right at the top of my butt crack. And Mm -hmm. it's not poop. Right, no. And every time I go to the doctor or I have any sort of butt thing going on, Mm -hmm. like if I have like waxing done or something, I have to be like, it's not poop. (laughs) And um, so it caught my attention and I just wanted to double check. But now I I have a bruise. (laughs) You know, I, I'm not laughing at you. I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just laughing near you yeah. because I can identify with that. You remember <laughs> when I threw my back out trying to do some manscaping? Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, that was That ugly. was glorious. Oh, man. I had to take work off <laughs> and I went to the doctor and I'm trying to explain to him how I threw my back out. Yep. That was a good time. Yeah. <laughs> he thought I was just med seeking, I think. <laughs> it sounds like yeah. it for sure. Anyway... I'm going to conduct a little experiment. I love experiments. Uh, Would you just close your eyes for a minute 
all um, of you, the entire freak family, just close your eyes. Okay. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say the word time. Now, in your mind, what graphic did you picture when you heard the word time? How do you visualize in graphic form in your mind time? How did I? You're asking yeah, me. Uh, yeah. Well, you asked everyone to close okay, their eyes, no, so I, I didn't was, know what you were. I was directing the question at you. You're acting in proxy. Okay. Yeah. Well, I didn't close my eyes because I have trust issues. <laughs> so <laughs> hold on, I'll do it. Okay. It's no wonder you threw your back out. <laughs> I could have told you what your butt looked like. Um, time. Okay. So I pictured a clock. Is that not what I was supposed to picture? Okay, that's fair. But no, most people, according to a study, picture a timeline. Like Oh, okay. Like a chronological timeline. Yes. Because okay. we think of time as being linear, the representation of time being a timeline. Well, a lot of people do. I don't. Okay, let's do this. Picture in your mind a timeline. Yes. Okay. Now, what direction does time flow? Left to right. Yes. Most people in the Western world, when asked that question, picture a timeline with time flowing from left to right. It's because we write left to right. That is exactly right. The left is the past the center is the present. The right is the future. Yeah. And that's because of language. The way we read language is how we perceive time, especially when it comes to spatial metaphors like the timeline. In other words, how we read language influences how we envision the flow of time. In the West, of course, the written word left to right. So there you go. But those who read Hebrew and Arabic read from right to left, and they usually picture time flowing the opposite direction from right to left. I'm sorry. I, I need clarification. Sure. So is it just the way that people do timelines that leads us to believe this? Yeah, or, I think so. Okay. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, it makes sense that that's how we would illustrate it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's how they would perceive it. Studies indicate that is how they, they oh, okay. perceive it. Okay. That's what I was asking. Okay. I'm sorry. In the Andes, in the mountains, in South America, the Imera people Think of the past as being in front of them and the future as being behind them. Well, that's fascinating. The thinking there doesn't have so much to do with language as the idea that the future is unknown, so it's behind you, you can't see it, and that you know what the past is, so it's in front of you, so you can see it. That's how they envision time. So how would they do a timeline? Because then the line would be just a dot. I guess it, it depends on what direction they're facing in. In Australia, <laughs> there's some indigenous cultures that don't usually use the words left or right, the concept of left or right. right. It's all directions, directional like north, south, east, west. And they visualize the passage of time from east to west, which makes sense because the rising sun, the path of the sun, it's born in the morning and it fades in the afternoon. That makes sense. Time is a very tricky thing. That's what we're going to dig into a little bit today. Some of the weird things, whether it be anomalies or questions that time, the concept of time presents. For example, every single person on the planet Earth, including you, believes that they're living in the present. But that's not true. Our brains don't perceive and process events until about 80 milli milliseconds after the event occurred. So what we're thinking of as now actually happened 80 milliseconds ago. There's a very fine line, it would appear, between the present and the past. 
And that's the heart of the argument that some physicists put forward, that there is no such thing as now, and that the present moment is only an illusion. Well, I think, um, one, I think it's very presumptive to say that every person on Earth thinks that there's a present, because that's, I mean, if you're familiar with the theories of time and time being a, a social construct, really, then you don't think that. The layperson, you're sitting there right now. Simpletons, is that what you're saying? No, no, I'm saying everybody except quantum physicists. <laughs> As you're sitting there right now listening to the box of oddities, you think you're in the present, but what you think is the present actually happened 80 milliseconds ago. Now, we've all heard the saying, time flies when you're having fun, and that is a scientific fact. But why is that? Our perception of time changes. It's different depending upon our state of mind. If you're having a great time, you're on vacation or you're out with friends and having a few drinks, whatever, time seems to fly. And the reason for this is because you're focused on the fun thing that you're doing and your brain is paying less attention to the passing of time. But if you're bored and uh, you don't want to be where you are, you're watching the clock, so to speak, time seems to drag on forever. And that's because your brain has nothing to distract it and it's focused on the passing of time. Right. And it makes it feel slower. It also seems to go faster when you get older. And that also makes sense, too. Well, that's perspective. It is. It's statistical perspective. Because when you're 10, one year represents a tenth of your life. But when you're 100, it represents just a one hundredth of your life. And that's why a lot of people say the key to a long life, or at least feeling as though it's long, is when you're having fun to also stay in the moment and appreciate the moment. There is no moment. <laughs> or what you perceive as the present. <laughs> there is no moment, only past. But much of our understanding of physics, and uh, specifically the physics of time, is due to, of course, Albert Einstein, and specifically his theory of special relativity. Albert Timestein, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> There's a relationship between the speed that you're traveling and the speed of time. Right, the twins experiment. Exactly. In other words, the faster you move, the slower time moves for you. And the twins hypothesis, Carl Sagan illustrated this brilliantly in the old Cosmos show years ago as two twins sitting on a bench in a park. One of them stays on the bench. The other gets on a motor scooter that travels near the speed of light. The twin on the motorcycle takes a little ride around the village for a short period of time. From his perspective, he's only been gone for a few minutes. But when he returns, his twin brother, still sitting on the bench waiting for him, is an elderly man. Mm. Now, of course, we don't have the capabilities to travel that fast, uh, at least not yet. In fact, Einstein says there's no way we can break the speed of light barrier. But on a much smaller perspective, there's this story. Scott Kelly was born a couple of minutes after his twin brother, Mark, was born. But Scott was an astronaut and spent 340 days living on the International Space Station. When he returned to Earth, he was actually an extra five milliseconds younger than his brother was. Once again, I'm just going to point out how weird it is how often you and I read about the same stuff before getting ready for a show. Did you read about this? I'm going to talk about something coming up, and it's <laughs> weird. Okay. Gravity also, according to Einstein, Gravity. can affect time. For example, about a billion years ago, the moon was much closer 
to the Earth than it is today. And because of that, the moon's gravity on Earth was greater, and it slowed the Earth, the spin of the Earth. Cool. Or more accurately, as it receded from the Earth, the Earth sped up a little bit. Which means that about a billion years ago, one day on the planet Earth was 18 hours. Consequently, 70 million years ago when the dinosaurs roamed the planet, days were only about 23 and a half hours long. And that made the years 372 days long because the days were shorter. Another cool example about how gravity can affect our perspective of time is altitude. This is, of course, the further away you get from the core of the Earth, Mm -hmm. the less gravity you experience. An example of this is if you had two synchronized atomic clocks. Of course, this is all hypothetical. Of course. 4.5 billion years ago. And you put one clock on the top of Mount Everest, if it was there at the exact same height that it is now, and another one at sea level. The clocks today would show a difference of about a day and a half. Wow, that's really interesting. So time is truly relative. Now, we've heard of leap years, of course. Of course. But there's this as well. Because the rotation of the Earth is somewhat unpredictable due to heavier winds in the northern hemisphere in the winter along with snow accumulation, it can affect how fast the planet rotates. Mm -hmm. In order to sync up astrological time and atomic time, The International Earth Rotation and Reference System Services will occasionally announce that we need to add a leap second. And this really has screwed companies up lately, especially high-tech companies, because leap seconds are not regularly added. It's just like, well, no, I guess we need one now. And so when developers are writing code for the computer programs or apps, they can't factor that in. Right. Leap seconds have caused websites like Reddit and LinkedIn to crash in the past. And in fact, in 2012, a leap second created so much chaos within the Qantas airline servers that 400 flights ended up being canceled. Wow. Now, I knew about leap seconds, but I didn't realize the fuckery they could cause. Yeah. Daylight saving time. Most people think that that was developed to assist the farmers back in the day to get the crops in. I always thought that. Sure. But it's not true. The idea was first proposed in New Zealand In 1895, it was proposed by an entomologist who just wanted more sunlight hours so he could go look for bugs after work. That seems fair. (laughs) It wasn't adopted then, but in 1916, it was by Germany. They were the first country to do this, and the reason was to conserve coal during World War I. The United States, on the other hand, didn't adopt it until 1918. And even though daylight saving time ended after World War I on a national level, individual states and cities here in the U.S. kept it going until World War II. And it seems like the entire nation in various locations were picking and choosing when to change the time, and it was screwing everybody up. Yeah, it's terrible. It still is. But it must have been so much worse then. In 1964, for example, in Iowa, there were 23 different combinations of updates that communities turned on and off daylight saving time. (laughs) So in 1966, the government made it official, a mandate for standardized daylight saving time for the entire U.S. Uh, Individual states did have the option to opt out, though, like Arizona, for example. They don't it just stays the same time in Arizona year round. I remember it getting dark at about six in the afternoon on occasion when I lived there. But So 
It doesn't ruin your whole life for a month out of the year. (laughs) It's funny you mention that because statistics show that right after daylight saving time, after we lose an hour, Mm -hmm. heart attack rates go up. Yeah. Car accidents go up. Right. Robbery and theft goes up. Yes. People just get pissed or sick. That reminds me of something that you tweeted uh, not too long ago about how daylight saving time uh, screws you all up because you just tried to capitalize a five. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That happened. Now, I always remembered daylight saving time as happening in October, and it just seemed like all of a sudden we were doing it in November. Do you remember when it was in October? No. You don't remember? Okay. Well, for those of us who do, daylight saving time ended in in, uh, October right up until the year 2007. It's been said the reason that it was moved into November, and it wasn't any kind of a calendar drift or anything like that. The reason was the candy industry lobbied Congress to wait until after Halloween to change the clocks back an hour. Wow, that's fascinating. I also think that Halloween should be designated uh, the last Saturday of October. It should be on a weekend. I agree. Every single time. Who wants a Tuesday Halloween? No one. Yeah, we all move the parties to the weekend anyway, for the most part. So, yes, it should be permanent. Like like Thanksgiving in the U.S., the last Thursday of the month. Right, or Easter. Or Easter, yeah. Well, let's do that. Let's do the last Saturday of October. A great philosopher once said, Time keeps on ticking, ticking, ticking into the future. Or does it? I wouldn't go so far as to say great. Um... Don't be dissing Steve Miller. My source material... An amazing article in Mental Floss, Space.com, Los Angeles Times, and Life Science. Now, when you think of time Mm -hmm. and songs pop into your head, Mm -hmm. is that the song that comes to you? Is is Fly Like an Eagle. Fly Like an Eagle? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Just because it's 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 just in my DNA now. Oh now I'm gonna have that stuck in my head all day. Because for me, it's time. Is on my side. That's a much better song. I'll give you that one. It's true. Also, time. Time has come today. Yeah. Chambers Brothers, 1967 Columbia Records and Tapes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Phew. Glad we got that figured out. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids. And they live about 3,000 miles away. And my daughter is expecting a child. And she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life, Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout. 
and you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores, and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parenting kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. And now... That thing in the middle. Today's thing in the middle comes to us from a post on our Freaks group on Facebook. It's what thingamajig is in different languages. A top five. In English, we say thingamajig. In Turkish, number five, they say zamazingo. Hand me that zamazingo. (laughs) Number four. In Mexican... Chingarera. That sounds extremely delicious. Doesn't it? I want it with guac. In Danish, the word for thingamajig is diddly dot. I'm going to start using that one. That's great. Diddly do, diddly do, All right. Number two, thingamajig in Arabic, shizmu. Number two, thingamajig in Dutch is hoppledy pop. <laughs> I love it. That's my favorite so far. You're going to pass me the pliers are over there next to the hubbledy pop. And number one, in German, a thingamajig might be called a dingsbums. Those wacky Germans and their dingsbums. Now, this is a great example of how time uh, can be perceived mm-hmm. so differently. Sure. Because to you, it sounds like this has just been seamless. But in our world, uh, we just had to stop for 20 minutes because there was a fire alarm in our home. Yeah, there were seven fire trucks gathered outside the building that we live in, uh, as well as several emergency emergency vehicles. vehicles. And uh, we were like, okay, well, first of all, they're making way too much noise. Yeah. I wish we had quieter firemen. Agreed. But uh, then we thought, well, maybe our lives are in danger. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Turns out, no. No. False alarm. Anyway, we're back. Hi. Teresa sent us an email. Hi. Just wanted to start off by saying I love the podcast. Mm -hmm. It has kept me awake many a night during my graveyard shift job. I was listening to Box 426, where Kat talks about cats, LOLs, sitting in boxes. And I need to know where I can sign up my cube-loving kitty Lucifer. (laughs) 
Even if we haven't finished emptying the box, his 14-pound ass will sit inside it and make it fit. (laughs) And then she goes on and suggests a topic for Mother's Day, which has already passed. Um, I didn't see this until after the holiday. So I'm going to, but I'm going to save it and do it later. So I'm not going to tell you what it is. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. The podcast that automatically downloads and sterilizes itself with bleach. You're welcome. This is The Box of Oddities. And you can tell me something, like a story or some stuff like that over there on the other side of the... I'm just going to finish my drink. Okay. What happens to your body in space? We've seen a lot of movies uh, that posit a lot of things, most of which are not accurate. Okay. So um, we're going to get into some space, some space vacuum, vacuum, Mm. space stuff. Okay. In space. No one can hear you scream, which is interesting because so many movies, when there is an explosion in space, Mm -hmm. you hear it. There is no explosion in space. You certainly can't hear it. It's always been my understanding that space has no air, though, to transfer the explosive energy to. Has that always been your understanding, or did you just Google that? I just Googled it. Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, that's the that's the word, is that if there was, like, a, an explosion, mm-hmm. you would just, I mean, you'd see it, and you'd go, whoa, Yeah, uh, no. <laughs> which I would actually prefer. That's like, you know, they have soundless fireworks. They do. Why don't we use those, like, internationally? Why I keep punching this window. I um <laughs> I hate the the sound of fireworks. I love the fireworks. They're very pretty. Right, I right. enjoy them. Right. I didn't always, but mm-hmm. I you know, but I hate the sound. Maybe what That's, they could do is come up with some sort of a firework system that is silent, but there is a they sync it up to a track of explosion sounds. And you can just put earbuds in and if you want the, yeah, I think that's a great idea. And it doesn't even need to sync up perfectly because, well, as you know, sound doesn't travel very fast. Well, that saves a lot of precise measurement time. And now we're back to the topic of time. 
It all comes full circle. Oh, my God. Full circle. That was a great song on Aerosmith's album, Nine Lives. That was not their finest album. No. No. It was an album. It was. Yeah. And I really liked that song. Aerosmith should have, there should have been some sort of technology for that album that we couldn't hear. You could see the record playing, but you didn't, you know, you didn't have to hear it. Oh, it wasn't that bad. I love Aerosmith's Rock and Roller Coaster at Hollywood Studios, and I think that we should make a trip. All right, what was I talking about? I think it had something to do with space. In space. Of course, an unprotected human body, it would be blasted with radiation, cosmic radiation, pew, 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 pew. But of course, you know, you wouldn't have the the worry of cancer or any other uh, radiation side effects because it wouldn't last long enough no. for that to be an issue. So what would be happening? Well, atmospheric pressure determines the temperatures at which liquids boil and turn gaseous. And liquid water in our bodies would start to boil, uh, changing immediately from a liquid to a gas. In essence, all of your body tissues that had water contained within would start to expand. See, that's counterintuitive to me. I would have thought that they would have started to freeze. We'll get to that. Okay. The transition of liquid water in the bloodstream and the soft tissue into water vapor uh, can give rise to an embolism or blood vessel blockage due to the gas bubbles in the bloodstream now. The same thing happens to scuba divers who surface too quickly because they go from an underwater environment with mm. that high underwater pressure to low pressure at the surface, the, the bends. Yeah, that, that's, that's pretty serious stuff. I took a scuba diving class to get my certification a right. number of years ago. And one of the things that uh, really freaked me out was the instructor told us that a uh, guy that he dove with regularly ascended too quickly and there was an air bubble caught between his teeth and it popped his molar out. Yeah, that's an upsetting thought. So I just, I, I never got my certification. I like chewing. <laughs> we actually have talked about going to get certified though. Yeah. Because I think that would be a lot of fun. I would love that. Yeah. And I think the real reason that you didn't get certified is because you have delicate sinuses. Is that correct? <laughs> no. <laughs> is that... It's ridiculous. Is that correct? No. no. You remember maybe, you're under oath. Maybe a little. <laughs> So the blood flowing through the veins boils less quickly than water in the tissue because the circulatory system has its own internal pressure, but a massive embolism in the body's tissue would happen pretty quickly. Also keep in mind that because of the changes to the muscles in your body and because um, so much is being affected by that uh, temperature and that pressure, um, you're going to lose control of your bladder well, sure. um, and your bowels. I think that's the least of my concerns. I really have no problem with shitting my pants in space. No, that's not not a worry of yours. No. All right. Unless I'm in a suit, you know. Yeah. And I and I have plans of um surviving. Right. And then you're not going to want to. No, no. Sure. That would be horrible. <laughs> I would I would agree. I <laughs> what? I don't know. <laughs> I feel silly. Okay. Also keep in mind that the moisture in your skin would start to vaporize, and that would lead to this really weird drying, swelling sensation um, that's hard to describe, I imagine. 
But the real problem is going to be, you know, there's very little breathable oxygen in space. So what do you do there? Do you hold your breath? No, (laughs) because holding your breath would only serve to rupture your lungs as the air inside of your lungs would be rapidly expanding. So what you... Hi! So what you have to do instead is breathe very quickly all of the oxygen out of your lungs as quickly as you can. (sighs) Well, again, counterintuitive. Right. So your body then would only have the oxygen in your blood to do all of its body business. And within about 15 seconds, the deoxygenated blood begins being delivered to the brain, and Mm. that would cause unconsciousness. So really quickly, oxygen is your first issue. And then... Even though you're unscious, you're still able to function a little bit. I mean, you aren't, but your body, your body is. Yeah. But within a couple of minutes, that blood oxygen would be exhausted, and that would be that. But what won't happen? You will not freeze. That just, I, I don't understand this. Well, according to the Science in the News Harvard blog, because thermal radiation becomes the process for heat transfer... And that's really not possible in space. Even if you are dropped in deep space where a thermometer might read negative 400, you wouldn't instantly freeze because the heat transfer can't take place as rapidly by uh, radiation alone. So the same way that you can't hear stuff in space is almost the same way that heat transfer would happen. Yeah, and again, so counterintuitive. It's like when I found out that boiling water freezes faster. Yeah, it's very weird. I don't understand that either, nor the continued success of the Kardashians. My, my nephew, who is a genius, we've we've talked about him before, mm. I think, um, really did explain that to me once. And he did a great job of explaining it. It didn't mean that I understood it any yeah, better. Right. But, um, yeah. Something to do with the, the way, the, the, the molecules the speed and that the molecules moving are around. Traveling. Yeah. And, I don't know. I don't know. So as far as we know, only three people have died in space. And that was the crew of the 1971 Soviet mission to the first ever space station. They were actually preparing to return to Earth when their capsule lost pressure. It was the Soyuz 11 crew, and they were found to have suffered deadly brain hemorrhages Mm. as the oxygen and nitrogen in their bodies bubbled and ruptured blood vessels, which had to have been rough. But as we know, that process doesn't take very long. No, no. And it's likely they weren't even conscious when they died. So they can't tell us what that was like. But one person can tell us what it's like. Is that the guy that his radio transmissions were intercepted by shortwave radio enthusiasts? He was a a cosmonaut. No. There was one guy on reentry. It was part of the Russian space program where his heat shields failed on reentry. Oof. And and he told them that he he didn't want to do this because I guess the heat he he suspected that the spacecraft was not sound and worthy. See, they should have had Katherine Johnson on their team. Oh yeah, he could have figured out the reentry angle. But what happened was, as he's coming down, he's. Uh-huh cursing them all the way down in Russian in Russian and it was picked up by shortwave radio enthusiasts around the world 
There's actually a picture of his remains uh, that was taken in Russia at some sort of a government inquiry, and it's just a blob. Well, if that was oh, interesting, if that was on reentry and it was because of heat shields, I mean, he likely oh he burned flied. to death. He yes, fried, and yes. then and then he crashed into the ground. Right. So none of and, that was good, and um, that wouldn't have been in space. So no, no, technically not. not no connected at all to what i'm talking about but, yeah there's an article on it in uh i'm looking at uh, npr cosmonaut crashed into earth crying in rage and uh, there there's the picture and from what i understand the then soviet union didn't want to admit to it and it was those shortwave radio enthusiasts that ah. intercepted the conversation that forced them to admit that it happened and they tried to cover it up. Do you know about this because of some sort of geeky shortwave radio group that you belong to? Oh, that's silly. Mm -hmm. Okay, so again, not the same thing. Okay. But um, in the mid-1960s, okay, everyone at NASA was gearing up to, to head to the moon. Uh, we chose to go to the moon. You know, yeah, that thing. Right. The Kennedy speech, we choose to go to the moon. They take little clips of that. that's become like an iconic soundbite where he says, we yeah. choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Now, he's referring to other things earlier in the speech, but it really, to me, it always sounded like he said, we choose to go to the moon and do a bunch of other stuff. We're going to do other stuff, it's too. It's going to be really cool. Yeah. Anyway. Um, one of the tests involved how well the pressurized spacesuits would perform in the vacuum of space. NASA had a specially constructed vacuum chamber to test equipment in, which must have been a cool project to be working on. I would think so. Vacuum chamber. Anyway, so it's December 14, 1966, and an early prototype of the suit NASA planned to use for its Apollo program was being tested. And NASA spacesuit technician Jim LeBlanc volunteered as a test subject. He entered the triple-doored vacuum chamber and Cliff Hess, who was the supervisor of the test, explained, there's very little medical literature about what happens when you're in a total vacuum. But there is a lot of conjecture, as we talked about before. Um, a lot of times people have ideas about what happens, and it's not exactly what happens. But we've learned some stuff because the pressurized hose on the suit that Jim LeBlanc was wearing somehow became disconnected. And LeBlanc was exposed to the effect of the vacuum. Oh, oh His no. suit dropped from 3.8 PSI to 0 0.1 PSI in 10 seconds. Oh my God. So Hess crashed through the half hour depressurization process in less than a minute and the chamber, which would normally take 30 minutes to be repressurized, was blasted back to atmospheric pressure within 87 seconds. Oh, my God. It took 25 seconds for someone to make it into the vacuum chamber and give LeBlanc emergency oxygen. Well, how did that come unattached? I mean, don't you think they'd put some precautions in place? Like, like duct like, tape? Well, I mean, even a vacuum cleaner hose won't come out without popping the little button. I don't know exactly how it came undone. I mean, it was a prototype, so okay. maybe they had some ideas that didn't work out so great. It was said... At 30 seconds, LeBlanc absolutely wouldn't have made it, but he got oxygen at 25 seconds. Oh, my God. Afterward, LeBlanc said, as I stumbled backward, I could feel the saliva on my tongue starting to bubble just before I went unconscious. Oh, my God. That's the last thing I remember. When I stood up in the chamber, 
I felt fine. After the team got in and provided his oxygen, they were able to repressurize everything. Um, He stood up and he said, my ears ached a little from the rapid repressurization. And that's basically the only effect I had. Really? Even though his tongue started to boil? He was five seconds from nothing was going to work. Wow. But uh, managed to make it and in the process helped them understand a lot better what they needed to do better to make those spacesuits effective. And he's the only man that we know of that survived a complete vacuum. Space stuff. Interesting. And in reading about this, I came across an article about Mark and Scott Kelly, <laughs> the astronaut. Again, wow. how, about how that? does this happen? I don't know. Constantly, this stuff happens. Anyway, boo effects. Amazing. I got my information from Popular Mechanics, Space Safety Magazine, which I did not know was a thing, The Star, Harvard.edu, and that's it. I love that. Space is a scary place to me, <laughs> and so is shitting in my spacesuit. I can see how that would be terrifying, yeah. It is terrifying. In space, no one can hear your shit. <laughs> well, I think we should wrap this up because I think the dogs are ready to eat. Yeah. And uh, Kat probably has to go back into the bathroom and see if she can see her butt in the No! Mirror. We'll see you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you. And its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2022. All rights reserved. That was a weird sound my throat made. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.